You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southern ground hunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. Got me and uh, my dear friend, Mr. Matthew Reeves, on the line today. That's all, all you can call me. Don't call me a deer hunter, just a, just a deer friend. That's all I am <laughs> deer <right> friend. <laughs> Not my deer hunting buddy, my deer buddy. Yeah, we just, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm your support system right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, I feel like you've been my support system all season long. Uh, let me tell you, everybody listening to this, if you take deer hunting really seriously, like really seriously, like like a lot of us do, and it messes with your mind, messes with your with everything like that's how it does to me when i go to missing deer when i miss opportunities at big bucks or don't recover a deer or whatever those type of things dude it absolutely wrecks my life and you need it to find is, yourself a friend like mr matthew reeves it'll because, it'll eat uh, you up he's he's um, always a good encouragement every time it happens oh man just means the story's getting better <laughs> you just 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 add on to it tack on to it not i've got friends that I call, you know, I'll, I'll call you be like, man, what's, what I do? I, I called you on that buck I shot and mm-hmm. I just did not feel good about it. And you were like, well, man, maybe, maybe he's just laid up, you know, just that little, that little push everybody needs not to go pure insane when, when you know, you know what the outcome really is. You just need somebody to lie to you for a little bit, you know. What sucks are the friends who give you the real honest truth <laughs> when you don't want yeah, it. I, <laughs> you shot that deer in the hoof you ain't gonna find it <laughs> no, you but that, that's a that's a whole that's a whole nother rabbit hole we could get down on that and that my least we, favorite, hey before we get off of this my least favorite one are the ones that the guys when you send pictures of blood 
and they say, oh, oh man, it looks like muscle blood. Well, shut yep. up. <laughs> I look like you hit him in no man's land. <laughs> we should we we should do a pod a, a podcast in the off season about about that about how to select your your hunting coping friends. Uh, that, that that's what it could be. <laughs> that's awesome. Because it's important, man. I've had friends who are not encouraging, and I've had friends who are encouraging, and it's always good to have encouraging friends. And I hope that I can be that to other people. But um, but we're going to talk about some swamp hunting today. Um, Just got off of a trip, you and I both. We were hunting a little bit different scenarios. Yeah, uh, I was but, in a windproof shooting house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you were in there uh, just kind of. I, 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 guess, just, I, guess I was you, pig you were, watching. You were flexing on us though when we were sitting I, I out guess. in the wind, sitting out in the yeah, cold. That, 20, that first 20 afternoon mile was wind. rough. It was I felt, tough, man. I felt, it, I was, I felt guilty though, Parker. I felt very bad that I was sitting in a shooting house. I couldn't hear. Like if a deer walked up, I couldn't hear it walk up. I was just watching a field, right? And I know everybody has their own definition of hunting, and that plays a a big role for a lot of people is the shooting house hunting, but I just, it just did not feel right for me. I felt like I needed to be in a stand trying to figure out a pinch and strategize, but no, I just climbed up some stairs, sat in the, in the shooting house, drank a diet Coke, ate some snacks and watched some deer in the field, you know, just. But you also, I mean, I think it's easy for us to say that, Oh, that kind of hunting's easy. And it kind of, it is, but you didn't see any shooter bucks that, that trip no no and that's time in the stand with shooting houses that's that's the thing but i wasn't trying to go out and find them i was just sitting in a in a stand and yeah hoping you know um but you you saw more rack bucks than i did and uh that was you know that was pretty crazy it was a it was a really fun trip dad actually came down and uh it was a little bit closer for him to drive to that part of Alabama. So he just came down for a few days and we got an Airbnb slept comfortable. And, uh, typically on those kind of trips, I am not comfortable at all. Cause I just sleep in my truck and yeah. roll with it. You know, I, I you, just, you, you were high rolling on that Airbnb to the old duplex special. Yeah. Yeah. We got, <laughs> it was rough. I mean, it was kind of, <laughs> Hey, it's yeah, better than the bed door. bug bed bug hotel. It's better than that. Yeah, that one was rough. I mean, not comparable at all. The, no. the bed bug experience of twenty what year was that? Twenty twenty. Yeah, twenty twenty. That was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I don't think I, it will be. Man, I don't think I could go a whole lot of places and pay that amount of money to sleep in that bad of a motel. Yeah, that, like that was uh it was like fifty bucks a night, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And and they just they they got you. The, the, it was more had, like had a to go to a gas had to go to a gas station to reserve your your room. So that that should tell you enough. <laughs> it should tell you everything you need to know. But it was more like that. That place was more like you you should pay somebody money to stay there as a yeah. challenge. Yeah, like a fear factor episode like or something. Like a fear factor, yeah. yeah. It wasn't the kind of place that you pay money to stay in. No. For sure, but... <laughs> you could have no. gutted a deer in the shower and they would have never known. 
I think somebody probably did at some point. <laughs> yeah, no Just kidding. Murder, murder scene. Yeah, it was rough. But uh, but anyway, you know, hey, regardless of where we stayed, what we did, we got down in the water, knee deep in the swamps. Yep. And that's what we're here to talk about. Yeah. And it's been a growing thing for me because I've I've kind of cut my teeth on uh, this style of hunting, you know, run and gun public land hunting uh in the hills right and with steep terrain and even if it's not steep it's rolling terrain you know and um for the most part that's what we deal with where we're at in alabama but every year i've tried to do at least one trip into like more of a swampy area there's a particular wma here in alabama that is pretty swampy that i've hunted a lot in the past with no success i've shot a couple does out there and that's it um but i've done it every single year uh i'll travel further south and hunt some of that which is what we did this past weekend last year i went to mississippi and hunted over there and then in some swampy land out there then i also hunted uh in florida the last i mean off and on for three or four years in more mm-hmm. sloppy stuff and what i found is i've been able to um find some consistent themes throughout no matter which state i'm in even kentucky i've hunted some swamp swampy stuff in kentucky and no matter what state i'm in there are some consistencies within the way that deer use that type of habitat and i've gotten closer and closer and closer and finally sealed the deal on a buck this past weekend, which was my third and final buck of Alabama season. Yep. Yep. Which was, uh, which was cool. I mean, it's always fun whenever me and dad can be successful together, you know? Yeah. You don't have to make the phone call. He's there with you. I mean, yep, he's there. With that's me. so much better. And I'll, I'll tell the story of how it happened real quick before we, because it was kind of a funny, it was kind of a funny hunt. Um, there was a lot of pressure on this hunt. This this public area is 90% only accessible by boat. So it, there's already a pretty steep barrier for entry, I guess, within that within this this place. And um and so it does cut down the pressure a little bit, but what pressure is there is coming from it's all coming from boats. Um and so there was there was quite a few boats there. I think most hunts we got walked in on in some way. Uh my the hunt that I shot my buck on, uh I had a guy that was set up like 75 yards behind me, um, which was a crazy story in and of itself. Yeah, no I no idea you were there. Yeah, no clue that I was there. I was flashing him with the light the whole time while he was walking in, but he didn't know I was there. Um, turns out, I mean, after we shot after I shot the buck whatever i was walking out to take my stuff out to the uh to the shore so dad can come pick me up and uh this guy he got he had basically fallen out of his saddle um one of his sticks wasn't on the tree tight enough and it slid down and put and he wasn't unhooked from his tether so it put all this tension in in his tether and he couldn't get it out so it was like kind of a good thing that we were there because we were able to kind of help him and he eventually got unstuck and it was all good but i actually i had heard him rattle earlier that morning that's how close he was to me um anyway so 
I guess, kind of moving along. We had seen a lot of pressure, um, but there was a lot of deer in the area. We were seeing deer every single hunt. Um, and so I'd found this spot that had a lot of really cool features. So within talking about swamps, we have talked a lot about like swamp edges or edges of these beaver pond type swamps uh that deer i mean those edges make great funnels all throughout mm -hmm. real swampy habitat there's land bridges there's shallow spots that they cross through and then just being on the edge of a swamp is already a pretty good spot because deer are going to use that edge um and so this had this giant beaver pond that went up uh probably it was it was real big it was big it was it was almost it wasn't a small lake. It was a big pond. I'll say that. Um, yeah. A big slough type pond. And it went within probably 60 yards of a thicket. So, and when I say thicket, I mean like really, really thick. Um, deer would move through it, but they wouldn't be moving through it quickly. They'd be living in it, kind of doing their thing. And so it made that, that slough made a, a perfect funnel right there. But also what you couldn't really tell from the map was the hardwoods. There was a, a clump of hardwoods that met those really, really thick pines. And the part you couldn't see from the map is there was actually another transition um, in those pines that was like a, it was like a, it was like a marsh. It, it almost looked like really, really thick Texas brush country. That's the yep, only way yep. I can describe it. Just really. I just. Branch. I just pulled it up uh, just because I was trying to refresh myself with every everything you're saying and with, with hard edges. And basically what, it had like three or four really hard edges throughout yeah. the whole thing? Plus because, the funnel of that slough, plus yeah. a power line that was coming through it. You know, like there was all kinds of things about that spot that were just really, really nice. It, I mean, it necked yeah. all any kind of deer movement down mm -hmm. to right there um yeah. and and when you sent me a picture I, I guess after you shot of what it looked like and i was like god get me off this green field you know I, uh, that's where i want to be hey dude seriously no no kidding when the sun started coming up and i realized that i had set up so perfectly in this spot um and that sun started coming up and i started actually looking at it i was like this is the most confident I've been in a spot all season long. All now, season were you, long. Were you facing east or west? I was facing north. Or north. You're facing north? Okay. I was faced toward, yeah, I was facing north. Um, I wanted to see that transition from the pines to the hardwoods to the, that thick, whatever it was. I really wanted to see that three-way, that T. Mm -hmm. Every deer that I saw in there, came out from a different direction, but they all were going to that, that exact spot. Like there was a trail that came out right there. Cause both of these thickets were super, super thick. So I yeah. can imagine where they met up. There was a little bit of a break that those deer could get through. Hey guys, as most of you know, censorship for hunters and anglers is completely out of control. So we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat the mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're actually encouraged on Go Wild. 
They give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting other friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, like gift cards, free stuff like knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. And if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit GoWild.com to get started. Six Day Grind Coffee Co. is made for people like you. The ones out there grinding to reach your goals every single day. Whether it's 3 a.m. wake-up calls to get into the woods or just getting through your workday, a good cup of high-quality coffee to start your day is imperative. When you buy from Six Day Grind, you not only get a great bag of premium roasted coffee, you also have the opportunity to support conservation through their Coffee for Your Cause program, where 10% of your purchase goes to the conservation organization of your choice. Check out SixDayGrindCoffeeCo.com today. That's the word six, followed by DayGrindCoffeeCo.com. So, Parker, real real quick, a cool thing that I thought thought about this sip, it's kind of like your Kentucky buck. It was a blind sip. You had never scouted it before. You just went in there and you hunted. And that's kind of what you did here. And I've got a saying, you know, that I like to do is just follow my feet, you know. You can do all the map scouting you want to, but your feet as a woodsman, outdoorsman, are going to tell you, you know, where to set up. So, I, you know, I applaud you for how good you did on a blind hunt to get in there, trust your feet. You did your homework on the map scout, and then you got right in the perfect situation. And like you said, when the sun came up, you were like, heck, yeah. It, you know, it, it all finally worked out because how many times have you climbed up in a tree and been like, dang it i need to be 50 yards over this way you know it doesn't have it doesn't always line up like that all the time so when it does Mm -hmm. i mean you see what happens there there's like i really like those blind sits and i i seem to have pretty decent success um on bucks especially with blind sits like that uh another one was the kentucky buck that i killed this year um that was a blind sit going in to a spot and a deer kind of doing what i thought it was going to do now that one was more terrain based movement mm-hmm. i feel like yeah. which is a little bit different from a swamp but I've, i'm starting to try to put these things together um with swamp hunting there are there are multiple things that cross over from flatland to hill hill country type properties there's multiple things that are uh what's, what's the right word consistent i guess mm-hmm. across all those things but um Deer definitely do different things when there's uh, not any terrain. Yeah. And you really have to depend on um, water edges. Uh, river cane is something that we have down in the south, like these cane breaks. And most of these things are, you can see, you can see some of it from a map. Um, you can sometimes see the swamps from a map. Um, it, you at least know where the main part of the swamp is, but you don't always know where there's going to be, you know, waist deep water in this yep. type of country. So you've got to go and see a lot of this stuff. Um, and when you said follow your feet, it really, um, it, to me, it meant something a little bit differently than what you were saying. Yeah. When I'm following my feet through a swamp, I'm walking on dry ground. Most of the time, I'm not just going to bust right through the heart of a swamp for mm-hmm. no reason if I can get around it on dry ground. And so I, what I found is a lot of times the way that I navigate myself through a swampy land 
that's probably a lot of how the deer are going to do it too. Yeah. Did they, um, did they want to walk through waist deep water? Probably not. You know, they, if they will, don't have to. But, but yeah. If they don't have to, you know, there's no need to. So it's just like, like hill country They're you know, if they can walk through a saddle or something and not have to climb straight up a hill, they're going to do something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, a lot of how you navigate through the woods can be very similar to a deer, but anyways, so moving on in this story, I, I found the spot that I really liked. And as the sun was coming up, I just knew I was like making plans to sit all day, like trying to figure out how dad could go back and get my uncle because my uncle was coming into town to hunt with us. Like just trying to figure all that out because I was going to sit all day in this spot. Well, then this guy comes up and I see him set up, but I didn't quite realize that he had set up that close to me. Um, when he came in, he was very, very close but I just couldn't tell. So probably 20 minutes after daylight, I see a deer coming out of the thick pines, walking straight to where the pines meets the, uh, the thicket. And he's just basically cutting a corner of public, just barely cutting that corner. And I watched this deer for a minute, just kind of ease his way through that corner. He probably, he probably walked on about, 50 to 60 yards worth of public land where I could have shot him. And I watched him and I pulled my scope up and looked at him. And I'm like, ah, I can't tell, you know, obviously I can tell it's a rack buck. Can't really tell much about him. Uh, I can tell he's halfway decent. You know, I can see that he's got mass. I'm just keep learning more and more about this deer as he's walking through, you know, going behind trees and I lose sight of him for a minute. And I mean, it was a really hard thing to do and uh finally he was just about to he was within probably 10 yards of getting back onto the private land and he was kind of angled away from me a little bit and i was like yep i'm gonna end my season right here yeah and so i shot well the deer tears out of there runs right underneath my tree i shoot at him again as he goes underneath my tree um then he kind of works his way off to my left, still plenty. He's going back deeper into public at this point. He made a big turn. And so I shot at him again as he was running off. Um, and I was kicking myself, man, freaking miss this deer. And I've, I've missed a lot this year. And I, man, if I could tell you how I felt about that one, uh, I hate it for you. It was that, was just, one of the, that was one of those moments you're beating yourself up already. Mm hmm. I was done. I'm like, what? What did I text you, Matt? I said, uh, I'm the worst shot or something. You said, I can't, I'm the worst shot or something. I'm the worst shot in the world. Yeah. And, um, yeah. You don't want to get those texts. So I had to. Mm -mm. mm. Because when you go out in the woods, dude, with a rifle, like, you kind of, those first, you know, the feeling you get those first few sits with a rifle. Where you're like, oh, oh you I'm, feel freaking, I'm killing them anything. now. Yeah. I'm going to freaking kill one. Something walks by, it's dead. Done deal. Uh, and that just ain't, that ain't been the case for me this year, man. I just ain't had it. I ain't had, I actually, um, I, I'm not one time on, on any three of my Alabama bucks did I celebrate in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> we, we need to make like a video collage of, of you like shooting and just like 
putting your head down just like yeah. there's another the, one the and first one him. the first one i thought he ran off like i thought i thought i missed him and there would have been a good chance of me missing that deer it was in some pretty thick stuff so mm-hmm. i mean it was three hours later when i walked over there and found him laying dead basically mm-hmm. right where i shot him and then uh my second buck is the one that had the crazy story jumped off a cliff and all that stuff and then this third one was like i guess i kind of gave away the ending anyway so i <laughs> this deer runs off and i'm like man whatever no, you suck you're stupid uh take up another sport because you need to be done with this so text dad and tell him he was like that had to be you and i was like yeah it was that was me but i missed so i said all i said still planning to sit all day uh i see some does come through and a spike chasing and they get kind of over where that deer was running at and they just locked up and turned around and ran off like i thought that was weird for a, a buck that was chasing a doe to see something weird enough that they just wanted to turn and they were completely upwind of me like there was no reason for them to run at anything i did so I thought that was weird. Uh, at this point, I'm like, I'm like probably 70 to 80% sure I've missed the buck. Uh, mm-hmm. But I was going to get down. I was going to get down at about 1030 just to make sure um, and see if I could find any blood. And then I was going to pop back up in the tree. So a spike comes in at, I don't know, probably uh, nine o'clock comes rolling up and he gets right underneath my tree. And puts his head to the ground and just wigs out. Like, freezes up, running around, looking around. Finally looks up at me and sees me. And then he puts his nose to the ground and he starts running that same trail that the first buck had run out. Like, literally, like a like a tracking dog following that track. And I thought, man, that he's, he's on something. So I pull up my binos. And by another spot where that deer was standing at, where that spike was sniffing at, and I see just nothing but blood. I mean, as far as my as far as I can see on my with my binos, I'm seeing blood on the ground. So then here comes the shakes. I get to shaking and I call my dad. I'm like, I think I got him, you know. Like (laughs) (laughs) two hours after you see like two and a half hours later, oh dad, I got it. I shot the buck. Um so I get down and he was 75 yards off, and the shot actually wasn't that bad it was a little back back of the lungs out the liver so it was uh ended up being a pretty good shot but man like we talked about before with hunting 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 anything that's different let's say anything that's different than what you're used to Mm -hmm. uh it's just like this constant repetition you kind of have to go back to um whenever i hunt hills i don't know if you're the same way but whenever i hunt hills I kind of just feel like I know what to look for. Like, yeah, like I'm, I I know what I'm looking for. And most of the time it's what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's kind of like, Hey, that's it. I know it's that. Let's go with it. And then Mm -hmm. you get, you get kind of off our roots, you know, and do swamp and it's kind of learning it all over again. And I've, I've hunted if my fair share of swamps killed a few deer in them and it's, it's and it and it differs uh what regions you're in um florida swamps could be a little bit different than alabama swamps even though you know most of them are in the south 
but if you get into some northern swamps like some pond cypress and all that it's it just all kind of has its own feel to it um mm-hmm. i was i was watching a video yesterday of daniel lemon with do-it-yourself hunter uh that hunt and he was just walking through the woods and they're they're so those woods were so open and that's that's my flaw of hunting swamps is it's so open and a lot in ma- majority of the areas in the swamp it's wide open timber because the water the water raises up it washes the any undergrowth out and there's really nothing for deer to feed in so what are you going off of you know everything looks dead um so you 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 find these waterways and travel corridors that pinches the deer down the sloughs and then i was talking to my dad when we went down there and i said i'm gonna get on this ridge well a ridge in a swamp is completely different than a ridge up in the hill country um Mm -hmm. because i've many of times have gone to a ridge and it just be straight off either side and those deer all those deer can do is run up and down it but getting a swamp it may be a two foot difference in elevation Mm -hmm. you know just something something crazy you're going from one extreme to another and but it's those subtle subtle little features that set you apart being a swamp hunter i think yeah absolutely um you kind of mentioned that but i was going to say like the high ground higher ground and a lot of time it's stuff that you're not going to see on a map it's not going to show up on topo you know what i mean in this type of country and we did an episode matt uh it would have been before before you were around but uh, it was with Caleb Gamble in Arkansas, and he was talking about you know like even taking note of that high ground, even if it, even if the high ground is flooded, that's still going to be the most likely place that those deer are going to travel. So if it's somewhere that you know, somewhere you've been, and you can make mental notes or even map out notes for the ground that you find that's a little bit higher, that can still be great, even if it's completely completely flooded and a lot of times um a lot of times you'll find that the vegetation has opportunity to get a little bit thicker in those places so Mm -hmm. what we know about bucks is they're gonna they're they're not going to live in open areas right so if there is not very much thick cover in a swamp this is one this is something that i've learned at a particular place um that I've hunted a little bit here in the, in the past, most of it is open, like wide open. So it's incredibly easy to figure out where the deer are going to be held up at. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, mm-hmm. it's really hard when you got a lot of thick cover. Um, some of the stuff I've hunted in Florida, uh, South Alabama, places that have had hurricane damage or whatever, like that real thick swamp stuff can be really hard to hunt. Um, but the open, timber stuff man like it can be some of the most um what's the word i'm looking for it's uh predictable i guess because they're gonna be in those that thick cover yeah areas just around there yeah and and it's easy to talk about it like i'm like oh yeah whatever you know yeah now i know freaking everything like swamps absolutely intimidate the heck out of me do you want to know more about saddle hunting 
well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear just for saddle hunting can be found by visiting tetherednation.com today. That's tetherednation.com. Check them out. Yeah, they, they're <laughs> flatland. Just I can, I can look at a map on Topo and I can tell you where a deer is supposed to be. Mo- most people that hunt hills can say, Hey, a deer should be right here. This is where they're going to travel. Let's set up somewhere here. You, you, majority of the time you'll see deer. Flatland, I can't do that. I've, I've either got to be, be in touch with the woods knowing what acorns they're hitting and and what's really cool about swamps too is a lot their oaks uh water oaks they will drop all throughout the season so Mm -hmm. where i where i was hunting this weekend there was there weren't any dropping but there were still water oaks on the ground so in the red oak family water oaks will wait and germinate until spring white oaks the reason they don't get hit all year is because once they hit the ground and come in contact, they begin their germination process. So just a little weird geeky forestry fact. If you go out in the woods today, probably around a white oak tree and all the acorns weren't ate up, you can go and pick one up and it'll have a root system already going into the ground. So you can kind of dictate, you know, you know, hey, it's November or it's December. They're not going to be hitting white oaks because they've already germinated. Uh, so a little weird thing there, but there's different species too that run through the the swamps, not all oaks. That's big in Mississippi. Um, and they are some in South Alabama, but for the most part it's water oaks. And I and I don't know if you saw a bunch this this weekend, but the crop down south was totally different from up north this year. Yeah. They they're everywhere down south. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was I was finding a lot of a lot of acorns on the ground. Um it was it was a definitely a different altogether different experience than anything I've had in North Alabama this year. Um, yeah. Anything anything like I would say anything that I went to in the north part of the state just seemed like it was pretty low. Whether it was hill country land or flatter land, North Alabama has just been a lower acre crop. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing that I have noticed. Mm-hmm as a uh i guess consistency within these swampy areas um or or even you could say like water access areas um when i when i said the swamp intimidates me it reminded me of this uh, a lot of places a lot of these swampy areas are going to be water access places just that's just kind of the nature of it right mm-hmm. um so anywhere a lot of places in Mississippi, Louisiana, South Alabama, um, even South Georgia, you're going to have a lot of people, a lot more people using water access in those areas. But there is a there's a pucker factor with um, being in a boat in the dark. It seems like um, this weekend, yeah. this weekend, we were the only people with a boat in the water 
before gray light. And there was a ton of people out in this area. That's, that's usually four that's or five hard to believe. Four or five trucks parked at this particular boat ramp. Um, and there's other people coming in from other boat ramps. Um, and every single time we were the only people there when we left, when, when we got in the boat and went to our spots, we were the only people in the parking lot. And sure enough, gray light gets here and there's people zipping all up and down. So there is a legitimate like safety concern pucker factor that comes with being on the water in the dark. And a lot of guys can't get over that. Um, and I know with some of these guys, it was just, they slept in or whatever. I'm sure it is, but there is really a, a noticeable absence of people before, uh, before daylight. And in the evenings, they would leave before dark. Me and dad were yeah. sitting there hunting after I shot my buck, we were hunting together and we were sitting there at prime time. And there was like four boats that went by at that point. Yeah. Driving, already leaving. driving a, driving a boat in the dark can, uh, can get you. I mean, whether it be hitting a log, you know, especially in those river systems, when we get a lot of rain, it'll mm-hmm. flush a lot of debris down, you know, big logs, limbs, whatever. That's what and, broke my boat. Yeah. I was about, I was about to say, uh, I didn't know if you were hit it during the. Did you hit it during the dark or during the daytime? Yeah, it was dark. It was dark. When okay, I hit it. good. Because if you hit it during the daytime, I was going to give you a hard time. Um, <laughs> but that's just, I don't know. I've I've been in my boats. I've done the mini boats. I've done the duck hunting thing, and yeah, it is a little, little sketchy, you know, especially if there's some fog rolling on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, you've done enough in a kayak that you're, you know, you're comfortable enough with it. You feel very safe in a boat now. Rather yeah. than a kayak, that's two different two different worlds. There's um, a difference in being worried about your boat and your equipment, and being worried about your life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When you're in the kayak and you hit a stump or something, especially if you got a motor of any kind on it, you hit a stump or a log. You like, I'm scared for my life at that you point. Turn turn over. I yeah. mean, I mean, did you watch the? Did you watch, speaking of do it yourself, Hunter? Did you see Jeremy's story about? Yes falling in i mean it's just that easy for stuff like that to happen scary i was i was waiting for you know waiting for footage uh for him to pull something out you know with a gopro or something but i hate i hate it was a total loss um but glad he was okay but i mean that's just that's a risk you take and you you and i talked about it you know with with letting people know where we are when we're hunting um my dad knows my wife knows i think that's pretty much the same with you you never know what could happen, you know, if, if mm-hmm. you're by yourself on the water, which you are a lot. Um, and then I go to a lot of places with no service. You just never know. And but, in, in know, the swamps, the boogeyman, you know, he he'll lives come there. and get you. Yeah, he does. And I think some of Pablo's killer pigeons are probably around there too. The, the killer pigeons there, the wild, <laughs> wild pigs. Look, hey, Hey, I didn't you share get, that story. Yeah, share. <laughs> you put you put a grown man in the woods in the dark, and you have a pig squeal within fifty yards of you. Mm-hmm. That'll show you what you made of right there. Man, I had to I had to shoot one right at dark. Um, this this week, uh, I I was in a funnel. You know, we were talking about these land bridges, and there's a lot of really good funnel type areas in swamps, 
because the water really does help you in that way. And I was in this one spot where I had a really, really steep, for whatever reason, we're talking, this is flat land. Like there's not a whole lot of terrain, but there was a steep bank uh, ridge and it was really thick. That was right. I mean, like 20 yards to my left and then a swamp edge five yards to my right. So I was in this like really, really nice funnel where any animal that's coming through is going to have to pretty much go through that area. Yeah. Well, it started getting really close to dark and I start hearing, hearing pigs squealing and uh, anybody who knows that noise when it's not, when it's close, it's, it's eerie sounding, you know, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of scary. Um, but I've hunted around pigs a lot in my life uh, and never had any real issues, you know, with anything. Well, I get down and I'm packing up my stuff. And what I did when I packed up my stuff, I, I always dropped down my rifle and I attached my bino harness to my rifle when, and I drop it from my pull rope. Well, I unhooked that stuff immediately, took my bino harness off and put my gun next to me just in case. And um, I quickly unhooked my lineman's belt, all my stuff, and started packing up. While well, I'm packing up my sticks, and I hear them coming. <laughs> and I look up, and they're like 10 feet away from me. Like a pile of pigs, a bunch of pigs. Mm. Like 10 feet away from me. It's like really close to dark, and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I pull up my rifle. I would pretty much made up my mind, like, I wasn't going to shoot a pig if I saw one from the tree, like while I'm hunting. Like, I don't really have any desire to shoot one. Yeah. Well, whenever they're right there <laughs> where, where you're trying to get out, and all you, you need, all that has to happen is you get somehow between mama and babies, and you're going to be in a in bad shape. So I like backed up real quick to my tree, shot one of the pigs, and they all just kind of scattered and, and left. And, uh, dude, that was wild. My journal was pumping on that thing. And the, I could I could go on and on about pig stories. You saw all the all the pictures, and I've how killed many my pigs fair. did you kill this week? I killed eight. Um, so <laughs> killed killed two in one shot. You know, neat things like that. Um, I killed one big boar hog, and pig. You know, I know a lot of people eat them. That's great, and I guess they haven't seen the things I've seen pigs do. Uh, but I I do not eat wild hog. They are tell a nuisance. Me, tell everybody what that pig was doing. Are you sure I can say that on the podcast? Yeah, that's, it's awesome. It's gross. It's okay. Crap, so these pigs, they scare all the deer off. We didn't see hardly any deer this weekend because there's so many pigs on this property. And a deer will get in the field and they'll come and they'll, I mean, they will chase a deer down and run it off the field. So they here comes like 20 hogs with a bunch of little ones and they're out there feeding. Well, all of a sudden I hear, and uh, here comes a boar hog. He just, you know, comes prancing out there, popping his jaws. <clears throat> and uh, he's kind of like over there messing with this sow, I guess they were rutting too. And uh, they kind of like slow down and I'm waiting for him to like mount her or something, you know, just close my eyes and not watch. Not your mind was in pig, the gutter. Pig stuff go on. <laughs> Well, this pig, this sow stops, and she starts peeing. Well, the next thing I know, this dang boar puts his face up under 
her like he's drinking from a dang fountain drink and just guzzles it down, just like <laughs> chugs it. That's, and some I kinky, that's some kinky stuff, man. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, and just like, so, like, so they made all this racket before he drank the piss. And then he drinks it, and they didn't make another sound all afternoon, Parker. It's like, hey, that was his shut-up juice. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. So, anyways. So, you aren't, so, you ain't going to be eating any big old boar hogs anytime no, soon? No, no, or, or sows. So, I shot I shot Mama Pig, and I ended up killing three that evening. And then, the next, so, so this boar, he was popping his jaw, and he got a foaming at the mouth. Like he just had foam built up around his tusk. And so the next morning I told you I was going to get down and walk around, walked around, went to another field full of pigs and I was about to shoot all of them and they ran away. Well, so I'm walking out. Well, that boar hog, I saw he was in the other field. Now I was like, ah, it's bad day for him. So I, these pigs can't see. So I like walk, run out there like 50 yards, sit down Indian style in the middle of the field and just shoot him, you know, drop him. Well, I get up over there to him, and, you know, I shot Mamba Pig the the day before. All her piglets were with him. There was, like, five (laughs) piglets just hanging around him. And I'm walking up there, and they're all just, like, standing there. So I was going to try to catch one, and uh, that didn't go up too well. Uh, If I had my AR, I would have just shot all of them, but I had my deer rifle and didn't want to waste all the bullets. But uh, just, just pigs are nasty. I just... If you see one, shoot one. They're my favorite, uh, like a 40-pounder is probably my favorite meat in the woods. Well, you keep eating that pea-saturated meat, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, you know they say you are what you eat. And uh, (laughs) I don't know, they have a... That's just kind of... There was a lay... (laughs) there was a lady at the gas station down there and i told her that we had shot some pigs and she goes what did you eat them and i said uh no ma'am what you talking about you didn't eat on them pigs and she just went (laughs) on and on and she said i'm a redneck i love some wild pig (laughs) and and i was like well ma'am i can get you all the pigs you want if you if you want to have a good barbecue tonight i I doing doing the full hog roast is like one of my favorite meals is so good. Um, I think it, it would be cool. I've just, I've seen too much, man. It's kind of like, it's kind of like eating your dinner off a truck stop toilet seat, you know, just probably wouldn't know. Probably wouldn't be able to taste anything different. I mean, and, and people, you know, people will say, don't eat a boar hog. I'm not going to eat a boar hog. I've, they're, they're the nastiest, clearly. Um, a sow, probably pretty decent. Yeah, well, I don't judge people for not eating them. They got to be shot. They got to yeah, be they, killed. I think they're going to run the deer off eventually. Yep. A lot of competition between them, turkeys. There's only so much food out there, and a, a pig's a lot meaner than a deer. Mm-hmm. So that's another challenge, you know, that you come to in hunting low-lying areas like swamps. A lot of the southern swamps do have pigs, and you got to – you kind of have to navigate them. Any places that I find just a ton – a ton of pig sign i don't see nearly as much deer sign so no and and sometimes the pig sign will look like deer sign feed sign Mm -hmm. Uh, especially if you you can get early season looking under looking under a feed tree you're like oh man these deer really 
done it. I did that in Florida a couple times, and it was just pigs. Um, yeah. And like you said, trails, um, that's tough because they'll they'll make a trail. Absolutely, they will. And their tracks can look similar too if it's in like really muddy stuff mm-hmm. and you can't see a fine print. It'll it'll trip you up. Yeah, it will. Yeah, it's just things you got to kind of get used to when you start hunting those areas. So, man, we'll keep it short, um, short and sweet to the point on this one. But I just yeah. thought it'd be cool to kind of just talk talk through this story, this last buck, but also just kind of share my thoughts and and your thoughts on kind of how we've been growing in um, hunting different different styles. You know, yeah, the small it, it, it always it paid helps. off for you this Absolutely. year. Absolutely. i'm gonna keep hunting and try to try to fill a couple tags before we get done i think i got about three and a half weeks left so we're not done yet hey guys thanks for listening to this week's episode of the southern ground hunting podcast and as always a big shout out to all of our partners that's go wild tethered spartan forge and six day grind coffee company you can keep up with southern ground hunting by following us on facebook or instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.